Hello, and welcome to another edition of Ask the Professor, a crowd-sponsored, crowd-driven feature where we answer your questions on political philosophy, on geopolitics and foreign relations, on history, on economics, culture, all those things that matter to us in our life together as citizens. And today's question comes from Isabel, and she asks, how do we decide whether and to what extent we should engage with regimes that have either values we abhor or are repressive? She points to questions like, should we have traded freely with apartheid South Africa or Zimbabwe under Robert Mugabe? Just what about China or Iran or the Philippines today? And I'm delighted to have this question, not least because I wrote my doctoral dissertation on the Jackson-Vanik Amendment, which was a law passed under the Nixon administration restricting American trade with the Soviet Union unless and until it allowed free immigration, which the point of the law was a regime cannot be extremely repressive if its citizens are allowed to leave. So it was really about this question, should we engage with regimes that repress their own citizens? And also, should we refuse to engage because we're trying to change them or simply to keep our hands clean? I think it's a very important and very pertinent question. And as Isabel points out, there are arguments against boycotting bad regimes, including it'll only hurt their citizens, uh, it won't have much effect, and it's not our business how the rest of the world is governed. But there are arguments in favor of doing it from we might force regime change to, or at least some modification in how they behave, to we are required to keep our hands clean even if it's not obvious what the practical consequences will be. And let me say, first of all, that I am something of a real politiker. I believe that the purpose of diplomacy and defense, the whole apparatus of national security, is to safeguard the citizens of Canada or whatever country you happen to govern. And it is the first duty of government. It doesn't matter how tolerant or indeed intolerant your laws are if you cannot protect them from external assault or massive internal subversion, they mean nothing. And I believe that no government has the right to put the safety of its citizens at grave risk, even for otherwise laudable goals, including improving how things are elsewhere in the world. I also think it's important not to be arrogant, not to take the view that because you are a Prime Minister of Canada or President of the United States, you therefore have the moral authority to govern other parts of the world. You don't. And it's not just hubris, it's also a recipe for a dangerous free-for-all. If everybody starts trying to govern each other's countries, you're going to have war. So all of that suggests being prudent and cautious about it, but it doesn't mean we don't do it. And to give the classic example, sorry, Godwin's Law, here comes Hitler. Suppose that Hitler had only been carrying out the Holocaust in places that he had acquired political control of without military conquest. Would we have said, it's okay, or it's not our business? I think the answer is no. There is a level of, I was going to say bestiality, but then I'm going to get letters from beasts. There's a, a kind of inhumanity that no animal could commit that does require us to say, yes, I am my brother's and sister's keeper. So sometimes we have to do things, but then the question is, what do we do? I mean, an economic boycott of Nazi Germany, and again, assuming it hadn't attacked your allies and forced you into war, would have been pretty feeble. 
uh, it wouldn't have done much good. Sometimes, I think, if you can, you intervene militarily. And I'm going back and forth on this because, of course, when it came to the Soviet Union, no matter how bad things were, and I believe that Stalin was as bad as Hitler. Differently bad, but a mass murderer on a hideous scale and a representative of totalitarian evil. But past a certain point, it was not possible to invade the Soviet Union simply as a practical matter. And once the Soviets got nuclear weapons, you had to choose between tolerating repression and the annihilation of civilization. And the annihilation of civilization was not a step toward liberating the Soviet people or the satellite nations. So then you come to the question, well, should we pretend they're okay? Should we have normal diplomatic relations with them? Should we sit down and smile at them at banquets? And I think here it's possible to be correct without being friendly. A balance I don't think, by the way, the Canadian government has struck when it comes to Justin Trudeau and China, or indeed previous administrations. I shouldn't just single out Justin Trudeau, though he does seem to do it with a particularly kind of goofy grin and lack of awareness of who it is that he's dealing with. Uh, but do you trade with them? Do you act as though nothing was happening, or as though there's nothing you can do, or as though there's nothing that you should do? You know, it was everybody agreed that we should, just about that we should boycott South Africa under apartheid. And then a whole lot of them said, but we should trade with Castro's Cuba. And some of them, it wasn't because they said, oh, well, you know, apartheid is worse. They would say, you know, we won't trade with South Africa until they change. And they'd say we should trade with Cuba so that they'll change. And there is a curious element of hypocrisy here. One of my rules of politics is, what would you think if the other side did it? And yet you'll often find conservatives saying we should engage with right-wing regimes to encourage them to change and we should boycott left-wing regimes. And you often find leftists saying we should engage with left-wing repressive regimes to encourage them to change, but we should boycott right-wing repressive regimes. And I think we should have one rule for everybody, but calibrate it to just how repressive they are. You know, argument could be made that the South African system was more dehumanizing than Castro's because of its invidious distinctions and repressive laws based on race. Other people might say Castro's was as bad or worse because they repressed everybody. Um, but I think at a point where a regime is murdering its opponents and denying them basic civil rights systematically, not in response to an emergency, although that deserves at least some kind of sanction, but as a matter of state policy, then you should not conduct business as normal with them. I think that you want to, you're going to hurt the civilian population by doing it, but the alternative is to ignore the problem or even to profit off it. I don't think you should absolutely boycott them, but I think that you should certainly, as we have tried to do with Iran, not allow them to borrow money of the international institutions to basically try to reduce them to a subsistence economy. Uh, it should not be entered into lightly. It should not be entered into arrogantly. But if you know your Bible, the answer to the question, am I my brother's keeper, was yes. In some sense, we are. We cannot afford to be indifferent for our own sakes or theirs. So we must put national security first. We must not blunder into wars. We must not, as proponents of Jackson Vanek did, undertake these measures thinking they will improve relations when in fact they will worsen them, as that measure definitely did. We should have no illusions about how much we can do to help people in oppressed countries or about the extent of our moral authority. But I think we have a humanitarian duty 
not simply to make money while ignoring the cries of their oppressed. And I believe there are situations where the deprivation of human rights is so awful. Again, the Holocaust is an example. I would say the Holodomor was another example. The Rwandan genocide. When mass slaughter is taking place, I think unless we can see that we would lose the ensuing war or that it would lead to the annihilation of mankind because weapons of mass destruction would be unleashed, I think we have a military duty to intervene. I'm not an enthusiast for war. I am not an enthusiast for what might quaintly be called imperialism, however much it's driven by morals rather than by strategy or by economics. But I think at some point, the fact that you are your sister's keeper requires you not simply to ignore her suffering and even at times to come directly with force to relieve it. So of course, as always, the devil's in the details. Which situation is it? How far do we go? But let us not be hypocritical. Let us not excuse one kind of oppression and not another. Let us calibrate our response to the severity of it. Let us understand that though we cannot solve all the problems of the world, we have our hands full with our own. There are situations that we absolutely cannot pretend we have not seen, and some which, having seen them, because we can, we must act. If you're enjoying Ask the Professor and you have a question of your own and we do depend on you for questions, this URL will tell you how to ask it. And if you want to support the feature financially and we are dependent on you for contributions, this button will take you to the Donate Now section of my webpage. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.